0: Thanks, Ree. Thanks, everyone. Happy Palm Sunday. We're just going to do a bit of stage rearranging. Um, Ree mentioned that I might talk about chocolate or how Easter isn't about chocolate. I'm not necessarily going to talk about chocolate, but I'm definitely going to talk about food today. <laughs> in fact, I have some props. We have some. Well, I get onto that in a moment. But we're in week two. On week two of a series, I Am series, based on seven statements made by Jesus um, in the gospel of John, seven I Am statements. So last Sunday, Sarah talked about, I am the way, not me, Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now can anyone guess what today's I Am statement is? Jesus said in John 6, I am the bread of life, and for good measure, we've got some Heinz ketchup um, and a few other little things. We'll again get onto in a moment. But I love John, so we're in John, and we're in John for the next seven weeks. John, the Gospel of John. I love reading John because it's almost like this symmetrical work of art. There's patterns in John, which I really appreciate and really like. If if you've ever read John, you'll be familiar with. Um, famous passages like I, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever so believes in him shall not perish will have eternal life that, you know that one 3, 6, John 3.16 but there's so many patterns in John of largely of seven so we have seven I am statements we also have seven what John calls signs or miracles so there were seven miracles I'll talk about one today. The very first one was when Jesus turned water into wine. There were seven. There's also, if you look through John, there's patterns of 12. There's patterns of four. And it just, it's just like so well thought out, so deliberate. In fact, John finishes his whole gospel with a sentence that helps us all understand why he wrote the gospel of John. It's so helpful to know, this is why I wrote this gospel and we'll read it. John 20, verse 30, says, these are, have you got verse 30, Reuben? If, if, if you haven't, it, it's okay. It says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life. John talks a lot about eternal life. You will have life by the power of his name. We're going to be camped in John chapter 6. John 6 is pretty lengthy, 71 verses in all. So we're going to read them start to finish. I hope you've set aside an hour and a half for this morning's message. Don't worry, we won't. We'll pick in a few verses and and drop in here and there. But really interesting, based on what we've just read, this is how my passage, which I've been given, I am the bread of life, This is how that whole dialogue finishes. We'll read verse 60 and then we'll read verse 66. Verse 60 says this. Many of his disciples said, after a teaching about I am the bread of life, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? We've probably all read the Bible or had scenarios where we've been in church and thought, whoa, that's hard to believe, or That's hard to understand or that's quite tricky to accept. But get verse 66. At this point, after Jesus has just done this massive sermon on I am the bread of life, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. So we've got John saying, I want you to believe and continue to believe in Jesus. And you've got these disciples that have just had this amazing encounter with Jesus and they desert him. And I'll just throw this out there as a disclaimer. If you're feeling, (laughs) maybe some people might choose to desert Jesus after this message. I hope kind of you'll end up believing in Jesus. But this is how this ends. What I'm trying to say is this is a challenging message for me, possibly even a challenging message for you. So get comfortable, but get prepared to be uncomfortable, perhaps. Maybe, and I was asking the question, why did they walk away from Jesus? Maybe it was just simply they just didn't like bread, our relationship nowadays in modern culture is very different with regards regarding bread to those days in, in biblical times. we are more conscious of bread now aren 't we? Um, my, my sister is celiac, so if she comes into contact if she eats a crumb of bread she 'll be very poorly. so when she comes around for food, we have to deep clean the kitchen, pull out all the utensils that haven 't touched gluten in their life, and just to ensure that she isn't poorly some some people you probably relate to that but many of us have a consciousness of bread where we're like i'm not gonna i'll have a burger i'll eat the i'll eat eat the meat but i won't eat the bread it's stodgy it's carby it's it's not good for us our understanding of bread is perhaps different to their understanding you know bread in in the biblical times was an essential essential um it's it are you okay (laughs) you distract me and a life essential bread and water bread but nowadays things um you know we have a different relationship with bread so today I am the bread of life just distracted by my own wife just it's fine it's all good I'm I I can breathe a sigh of relief um I am the bread of life. But I was thinking about structure. So I was reading John 6. I read the whole of John 6. We're going to read the whole of John 6. So don't panic. I'll I'll just read a few verses. But when I read it, I saw four clear sections. And normally when I preach, I like to have points. I like to have catchy titles. I like all of that. I couldn't think of any of that. I was thinking, where do I get my structure from? Because it helps me preach. But also, I hope it helps you listen when I break it down for you in buffet style, bite-sized chunks. But I couldn't think. And then I thought, I just had food on the brain. And then I thought, bread, structure, that's what I'm missing. What do I need? Bread, bread, bread. And I was reading, and if you know John 6, there's a passage at the end which we're talking about. I'm the bread of life. This is what Jesus teaches on that. At the very beginning of John 6 is the famous passage where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. So there's bread. So we've got a slice of bread here. I've got a slice of bread here. And in the middle, strangely enough, and I'll get onto this later, there's this... Other miracle that almost seems related. So I was like, I've got this miracle sandwich. And then I thought, wow, what a great structure for a message. So we've got that. So my message today, if you like catchy titles, is miracle sandwich. So with any sandwich, because a sandwich deconstructed is a buffet. So a sandwich by nature has structure. So here we go. We're going to do a live demo of how to make a bacon sandwich. Yeah, I'm going to try. I haven't rehearsed this. Um, so with any sandwich you need, let's see, if we can go, let's see if the butter's melted to the point where we can actually use it. Yeah. No, I think I can do it. I can do it. I can multitask. I'm a, I'm a man. Just might need the mic down. So with any bread, any sandwich, sorry, you've got a base layer, haven't you? So you apply, apply I've liberally applied butter. Again, butter is one of those things where we have a, we're more self-conscious in terms of our health. But there's a framework, there's a, there's a base, there is a foundation. So I feel in the passage about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I was like, what is the, the main thing? What is the foundational part of this scripture that I can tell to you today? So let's just read it because you might be thinking... Where's he going with this from the Bible? <laughs> we'll get there. So we're looking at section one of my message today, the base, the foundation, the, very, the thing that keeps the whole thing together, the thing that makes this thing have structure. Let's just read the passage where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again whoever believes in me will never be thirsty and we're we'll jumping to John 6:48 a few verses later he says the same sort of thing yes i am the bread of life this is after people question him your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness but they all died anyone who eats the bread from heaven however will never die i am the living bread That came down from heaven. Anyone who eats the bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. People get confused and ask more questions. Verse 58. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did. Even though they ate manna, we Even though they ate the manna, which is reference to the Old Testament, reference to um, the Israelites when they'd escaped the oppression of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness and God provided manna for them daily, just enough food for them to eat. Jesus is saying here, I'm better than that, but will live forever. So the bread of life, what's the kind of, what's the main foundational thing I'm trying to say today? First of all, as bread in those days particularly was, it was an essential to life. So I'm talking here about something that isn't optional. It's not a negotiable. We're talking about something so foundational and so essential. Whenever, and Sarah mentioned this last week, whenever you hear any of us preach about an I am statement, whenever Jesus said, I am, people listening would have listened to that, heard that and said, I know what that means. That's in reference to When when God spoke to Moses and said, I am who I am. It's this covenant name of God. So basically, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was saying, I am God. Foundational part of our sandwich. The bread of life is God. And mentioned there is eternal life. We can receive eternal life. And if you've not received the bread, if you've not ate from the bread of, of life, you can do that today. If, you've, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know that you've got eternal life, you can receive that today. And, and when he talks about hunger and eating and drinking, he talks, is actually meaning, rather than actually eat the bread, he's saying, come to me. Rather than drink he's, and, and never be thirsty, he's saying, believe in me. So the foundational, if you're getting confused with the bread, the foundational part of what I'm saying is actually come to Jesus Believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. So that's the foundation. If that's the only thing you take from today, take, the, take from me today that Jesus is offering you eternal life and you can receive that today. You can receive that today. So, and that's not just for anybody that isn't a Christian today. It says... John talks about um, it's certainly in that very last verse, first verse that I read about you continuing to believe. So it's a daily decision. It's a little bit like someone in, in, the, in the next few weeks would talk about Jesus being the vine. So we're a branch connected to the vine. We have to constantly, like a branch is constantly eating and drinking nutrients from the vine. We have to constantly eat and drink the bread of life. We don't stop. We never get hungry. We have to continually, day by day by day, eat the bread that is Jesus. The foundational slice of our bread. Now, now we get to Heinz tomato ketchup. Other brands of ketchup are available Other colours as well. <laughs> I have to admit, I got carried away with my illustration here. And I got—I misinterpreted the English language. I got too excited. So I, I thought it was a good thing for me to say that in the passage in John, before Jesus says, I am the bread of life, things get a little bit saucy. Now, English language, that's the wrong word to use. I got too caught up in my illustration. What I really meant to say was that things got a little bit spicy. <laughs> I should have brought some Tabasco sauce because, as I mentioned, at the very end, people deserted Jesus. They didn't like what they said. And it, at what Jesus said, they, they, they walked away. So things got a bit heated in the middle. So what I'm doing, you may have, you may have noticed, I've started at the end of John 6. I'm mer- working my way for the next 20 minutes all the way to the beginning of John 6. We're going in reverse order. That's just how I saw this chapter today. So rewinding a little bit of time, we get to John 6, verse 23. When things get a little bit spicy or a little bit saucy. I've got to use it, haven't I, because I've brought it on stage. Here we go. It's the perfect bacon sandwich has ketchup, maybe brown sauce, maybe barbecue, maybe no sauce at all. But for me, ketchup. Things got a little bit awkward. Verse 23. This is after Jesus has fed 5,000 people. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They got into the boats, went across to Capernaum to look for him. Doesn't this on on the surface of things look really good? From a church point of view, we're running an alpha course. We want people to go searching and looking for Jesus. That's kind of what we're all about. We want people to go looking for Jesus. But Jesus has a different view. Verse 26 Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. It's a little bit like Jesus was, was saying, you're coming to me for the wrong reasons. I want you to come to me because I want you to love me. But you're coming to me because you want to get something From me, you're not treasuring and loving me. You think you consider me useful, like an app on your phone. Like let's take the the health and fitness um, theme. We many of us have probably downloaded health and fitness Fitbit apps and watches and things. And some of you, if you've still got those active and you're still using those, well done to you. (laughs) Others of us. We got those, so we said, I want 10,000 steps, that's my target every day. And we kind of got enthusiastic about it for a few months. But then when our phones and our watches start to notify us and say, you're 5,000 steps too far, or, or you, you know, you've been inactive. I think the Fitbit kind of, if you sat still for too long, it tells you and it starts vibrating. We end up starting you know, eventually turning off notifications. We get some of us, and it may not be a fitness app, it might be any app, where initially you thought this is a useful thing and then it starts to annoy you. Then it starts to challenge you. Then it starts to notify you. Notification after notification after notification. This is challenging me. I don't like listening to what people tell me to do, so I'm not going to... So we delete the app. A lot like the disciples did. Jesus isn't just coming to offer bread. And he's not just feeding us physically Jesus is feeding us spiritually and actually part of being a Christian is to be challenged Jesus is challenging us Jesus will challenge us to change our beliefs to change our philosophies to change our ideologies he'll cause us to change our behaviors and sometimes when we don't like it we'll walk away like so many of the disciples did they weren't loving him for who he was the the, Jesus didn't just come to give us the bread he came to be the bread. He doesn't want us just to get, just to come with our shopping list. Although that's prayer and and having lists of things that we want and and going to God is an important thing. I'll get onto that on my, on my next point. But he wants us to come to him for him, the bread of life. Don't just come for the bread. Come for the bread of life so many of us we only go to God when we've got a problem when life is rosy and easy I'm the same sometimes I forget to pray or I forget to read the Bible when life is good and I'm busy and actually sometimes we just go to God when we have a crisis we go to Jesus when we have a problem but actually the application for all of us when approaching the bread of life, is to treasure and enjoy and taste and see that the Lord is good. People were challenged. Jesus was maybe even a little bit angry. Things got a little bit spicy and saucy. Things got a little bit difficult at this point. But to bring a bit of balance, I'm going to leave the filling because we'll all disagree on what we should put in our sandwich. Um, but just to kind of continue this illustration, this third section of my message. And if you... If you keep in count, there's one more. We've got the top slice. I haven't buttered it, but just imagine I have. We've got this top slice, which if this was a cake, there's loads of gluten on the stage. Apologies for anyone. There's loads of crumbs. But, if this was cake, this would be the icing on the cake or the cherry on top. If this was subway, this would be that question that they ask you when you get to the end of the line do you want do you want it cheese and toasted it 's like the finish off the sandwich sort of thing. So, as I mentioned jesus didn 't just come to feed us physically and give us the things that we want physically he he wants he want, 's coming to feed us spiritually, but actually he also because he 's so good, he wants to feed you physical bread as well. Let me help you understand what I'm trying to say by going to a very familiar part of the Bible, which you've probably all read at some point, the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples, you know, the last thing they want to do, because they're tired, they want to spend time with Jesus, the last thing the disciples want to do is feed 5,000 people. Maybe the same. They wanted to spend some quality time with Jesus. They say, send these people away. Whereas Jesus said to Philip, where can we get enough bread to feed all of these people and of course he says I have absolutely no idea so Andrew comes to, to Jesus and says well actually there's a boy here he's got five small loaves and two fish but really can we feed this number of people with this um this small amount of food and Jesus says because he already knows what he's going to do he says sit down on the grass and then he starts as we get to verse 11 Jesus took the loaves gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the 12 disciples, this is, picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. There are many reasons why, the, well, there's probably a couple of reasons, more intelligent than one I'm going to give you, as to why there were 12 baskets left over. Historically, traditionally, and I've mentioned at the very beginning, John liked his 12s, and it's a significant number. But actually, what I like to think about it was, how many disciples were there? 12. It was as if Jesus was saying, I know you're tired. I know you don't really want to be here. I know you're feeling perhaps a little bit jealous that I'm focusing my attention on these 5,000 people that I don't know and neglecting the people that I really love and really close to. I know I see you. I feel you. I know that you as a Christian have been looking around and, and looked at what, what God has been doing in other people's lives and look at the blessings in other people's lives. And you look at their money and their cars and their jobs and their situation. You've looked around and you sort of, you felt that way. I know that. I felt that too. But Jesus in that moment, I believe, was saying, I've got a basket for you. I've got a basket for you. It's got your name on it. I care about you. I care about your needs. There's a basket for you it says elsewhere in the Bible, he will supply all of your needs. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. Jesus knows what we need far better than we know what we need. But the, the amazing cherry on top, cheese, Subway toasted element of this message and of the bread of life is he's, he provides all the bread that you need anyway. He provides everything that you stand in need of. He cares you. And in fact, just as in the illustration of the feeding of the 5,000, there is always more than enough for you. There is always leftover. There is always an extravagance of grace and blessing for you. So all that you need to do as an application is, is acknowledge and pick up the basket that he's so willing and generously giving to you. He's got a provision. He's got a portion for you. You don't need to feel like you've been left out. The bread of life has got it covered, the bread of life, all your prayer needs, all of your list, your shopping list of requests that you go to God and say, can I go to God now that Ben said I can't? You can. But you want to go to the bread of life for the bread of life. And he will give you the bread when you're with the bread of life. So there's the top layer, the cherry on top of our sandwich, the cherry on top. And if you're following me closely, you realize that we've got one more part to this message. Now, I know there might be some vegetarians in the room, vegans, or whatever your preference is. Some of you might like peanut butter and jam on toast, or some of you might like beans in the middle of your sandwich. Some people might like, I don't know, whatever it might be. I've got bacon today. Um, Here's one I made earlier. I was was thinking, could I really cook it in, in the middle of the stage? But then I'd have to confess to you that I can't cook. So I'd have had to get Steph on here to do it. Maybe that could have worked really well. We could have done a cookery message. Um, But with any sandwich is the filling. And as as I said at the beginning, I think it says on screen, this message is titled Miracle Sandwich because something happens and I've missed it out. So in John 6, there's almost this random event that takes place that has nothing to do with bread. And I sort of think, why is that there? And it's helped me because it's given me the structure to my message. It's the, in the middle of two bits about bread, so it's like miracle sandwich. But let's just cover it now, and this is how we're going to finish this message. It says in John 6 17, so Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, and then he goes off to the hills on his own. And I think we'll let him do that because not long before he's lost his cousin, John the Baptist has been killed. He's grieving and he's going through some stuff himself. The disciples wait for him, but then they, they, they give up waiting and they get into a boat. They go out rowing on the sea of Tiberias. So let's, get, let's pick things up in verse 17. Again, we're in John 6, as we have been all this time. But as darkness fell, Jesus still hadn't come back. They got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon... A gale swept upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking. Here's a miracle. Walking on the water. Last time I checked, that's a miracle. Many Gospels, the other Gospels, we sing about it, we sing about it today. The other Gospels talk about the storm. Jesus eventually calms the storm. But we get no mention of the storm being calmed here. The miracle here, and you can miss it, is the walking on the water. Jesus, walking on the water toward the boat, they were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid. I am here. This miracle Walking on water because there was the disciples present in the boat. Everyone else was three miles plus away. The, as far as I'm aware, I'm aware they don't talk about this to the other people. In fact, later on in the, in the story, somebody comes to Jesus and said, how did, how, did, how did you get here, Jesus? How did you get to the other side of the lake so quickly? And Jesus doesn't reference that he just walked on water. He didn't, he didn't brag that he just walked on water. He kind of addressed something else. The disciples don't discuss this. So in my understanding, this miracle is a private miracle for the disciples to see and experience themselves. It's not... John doesn't even say that the storm was calmed, although it was. He doesn't even reference that. In fact, it goes on. Let's just... I think I've got it, haven't I? Verse 21. Verse 20. He called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then verse 21. Then they were eager to let him in the boat. And immediately they arrived at their destination. It's like end of story. The main point, in my opinion, of what is is said here isn't the miracle. It's not the calming of the storm. It's the getting in the boat. End of. Get in the boat. The boat. The disciples were three miles away from Jesus. Probably thinking, he's only gone and fed 5,000 people who we don't know. What about us? And now he's going to leave us to die in the middle of a lake? Is this how it ends for us? But Jesus, like he does for you and like he does for me, would walk on water to get to you the bread of life would walk on broken glass and hot coals to get to you the bread of life would climb any mountain break through any wall to get to you the disciples needed to know that the bread of life had got them covered so the question for you And hopefully today has been a simple message about bread. But I want to finish with the thought and the question. Is Jesus in your boat? Because as soon as Jesus gets in your boat, the storm, your fear, your anxieties, your shopping list of needs that you have dealt with, everything will be okay. You can have, and I guess to finish the sandwich, I could take a bite, but it's kind of been sat out for a while, and also it wouldn't look good on camera. <laughs> it wouldn't look good, but just to prove it to you, this is a legit sandwich. It is. You can still smell the bacon. We've built a miracle sandwich, and I just think each layer is important. But I love the thought that the disciples, after all of this, got into the boat for the bread. Of life, the one who is offering them eternal life. And the simple response that you and I can do in response to this message is come to Jesus. Is, is hunger and thirst for Jesus. Come to him and believe in him. And also, proudly hold aloft the basket that he's given to you going to pray and then we're going to sing and we'll get this stage cleared somehow lord i thank you that you are the bread of life that when we come to you and believe in you we never die we don't perish we don't go hungry so father i pray as we listen and respond to this message. Lord God, that we would have the confidence and the desire to come to you. Not because you have bread, because you are the bread of life. And I'm thankful that when we come to you, Jesus, you also give us bread. You give us what we need. So Lord, I pray for anybody here and online that's just in need right now. They have a list and they feel like, can I come to Jesus? God, as they come to you, would they come to you with a depth of love for you as the bread of life, considering you to be precious and holy and wonderful, not just a useful iPhone app that we discard when we don't like it. Lord God, may no one in this room or nobody who's watching and listening online choose to desert you as a result of the challenge, of the change that you require in our lives. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd help us. You'd breathe through us. And that we would love, appreciate, taste, and see the bread of life. Amen.